Hello and welcome to the CCF Iowa podcast. You're listening to a message that was part of our Tuesday night worship services that takes place each week on the campuses of University of Northern Iowa, Iowa State University, and the University of Iowa. This year's theme is As You Go. So we'll be taking a look at the book of Acts and we will be exploring how just as God called the early church, he is calling us today to go. And as Jesus ascends into heaven and we're introduced to the Holy Spirit, we're given instructions as we go. So here's a message presented by one of our campus ministers. Welcome back to the CCF Podcast. This session is called, As You Go, Be Shade, and it focuses in on Acts 5, verses 12 to 16. Let's go ahead and just begin right away with that text. The apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders among the people, and all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. No one else dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. As a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by evil spirits, and all of them were healed. Here we have a rather unique story, and that's why I just wanted to focus on just these few verses for this session. Because, essentially, when you first read this story, what it sounds like is happening is Peter's shadow is healing people. That's crazy. That's not something we've heard of before. In fact, if you look throughout through all of Scripture, this like doesn't happen anywhere else. There's, there's no indications of someone's shadow healing people. To be fair, if you read through this text, it doesn't actually say that Peter's shadow heals people. It just says that people expected or hoped that Peter's shadow would fall upon them, believing that some miraculous sign and wonder would occur. Because there's all kinds of miraculous signs and wonders that are happening. The apostles are doing this amongst the people. There's all of these things that are occurring that people just can't explain. And so they have hopes that if they put their mats out, if they lay their their sick people where Peter is going to walk, that his shadow could fall on them and something miraculous just might happen. This is a really different kind of thing. We've seen throughout Acts that the disciples have done some pretty incredible things. The, the speaking in tongues that happens on Pentecost, the healing of a man who was born lame. All of these things have started to become questioned by the Sanhedrin, by the Sadducees, by the Pharisees. All of the important people in Jerusalem are starting to notice what the disciples are doing, and they're starting to wonder why. And they're even willing to imprison and threaten death upon the apostles for doing this. We're still not yet quite to the point of the first martyr that comes in chapter 7. But there's some persecution that's happening. And yet still, the disciples are doing incredible things in the name of Jesus. I I would even argue that this is the kind of stuff that the church is supposed to look like, that even in the face of persecution, even in the face of 
opposition of lots of people who just don't get where you're coming from and don't believe what you believe. What you still continue to do is boldly preach, but more importantly, live out the kind of compassionate lifestyle that makes people notice, hey, these people are different. These characters, these guys that were with Jesus truly love people and they're healing people like he healed people and they're doing these incredible things all in the name of Jesus and all for our benefit that the apostles were noticing the poor people, the the lame people, the blind people, the sick people, the ones that everyone else would have just walked by and ignored. They're serving these people, they're healing these people, they're investing in their lives. And while the miracles are are incredible, I think it's the noticing, the being with, the need meeting. Those are the kind of things that the disciples are truly living out. That's what it means to look like, to act like Jesus the most. And that's what people are really noticing. And so they respond, and they have hope. And the thing is, is while I said this type of healing wasn't necessarily occurring in the text, I think these people that are seeking things from from Peter, that they're hoping that Peter's shadow falls on them, I think they know their scripture. Because there is actually a place where there's an illustration like this. There's a prophecy that seems to fit this. Because if we turn to Isaiah 32, verses 1 and 2, we see a really cool description of what happens in the age of the church, what should be happening in the age of the church. Isaiah 32, 1 and 2 says, See, a king will reign in righteousness, and rulers will rule with justice. Each one will be like a shelter from the wind, and a refuge from the storm, like streams of water in the desert, and the shadow of a great rock in a thirsty land. This passage you could point to as one of those messianic type passages, because it talks about a king who will come, who will reign in righteousness. A king will reign in righteousness. That sounds like how we describe and talk about the Messiah. That sounds like what Jesus is doing now, as he is ruling and reigning in in heaven. But the thing about a lot of our messianic prophecies that we look at, and, and by our, I mean specifically when Christians use the Old Testament prophecies and try to say, well, this is the part that was talking about Jesus. Um, that doesn't always mesh with other people who uphold those scriptures. And I'm talking specifically about Judaism. When they view scriptures like Isaiah 32, what they see is that this is telling of an age that is still to come. Because they see a king will reign in righteousness and rulers will rule in justice. Okay, that's that's all great um, because we're supposed to be having a rightful God-appointed king who's ruling over us and not other groups or other oppressors who've come. But they really focus in on that verse too. E- each one will be like a shelter from the wind and a refuge from the storm, like streams of water in the desert and the shadow of a great rock in a thirsty land. 
the age to come, the age of the Messiah, is going to be marked by people who are being a refuge, who are being a shelter in in the harshness of the world and, and, and the difficulties that exist, that instead of that hardship, God's people will be shelter. Because the thing about this description here, a king will reign in righteousness and rulers... There's that S there. There's plural rulers that will rule with justice. There is one king. Jesus, I think, is that king. But the rulers who rule with Jesus, under Jesus, who rule in, with justice, if you are a believer in Jesus, you're called to be one of those rulers. And the thing about it is those rulers aren't just going to be, this isn't all just about the age to come after, you know, whatever your version of Revelation happens. I believe this is something that's supposed to be happening in the here and now. This prophecy is not just about Jesus, it's for us. We're supposed to be the rulers who rule with justice. We are supposed to be shelter from the wind, a refuge from the storm, streams of water in the desert, the shadow of a great rock and a thirsty land. Okay, so why does this connect with Peter's shadow? Well, I, I think some of you maybe have already caught on. That last part of verse 2, in the shadow of a great rock and a thirsty land. We've already got a shadow. We've seen Peter's shadow. And even more so, it's not just anyone's shadow. It is Peter's shadow. When Jesus tells Simon that he will be known as Peter, Petras, a rock. The shadow of a great rock. Peter's shadow. There's a connection there that I think... Luke was trying to get across to people that Peter is a rock. That's what his name means. That Peter's shadow is like the shadow of a great rock in a thirsty land. That these people who are laying their sick down in Solomon's colonnade in the hopes that Peter would pass by and his shadow would fall upon them they understand that the things that are going on now, the way that Jesus' disciples are, are acting, are like rulers who rule with justice. They are being shelters. They are being refuges. They're being Peter's shadow in a thirsty land. All things that provide rest, relief, refuge, That's what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. That's what it looks like to be the church. And that's what we're supposed to be. Well, I'm sure they were looking for healing. They were also looking for rest and refuge. And since they knew Isaiah 32, they went, maybe we can find that in Peter's shadow. And isn't that how it should be, church, believers, Jesus followers? Shouldn't people want to come to us to find refuge, to find rest, to find acceptance, 
to be seen, to be noticed, to be loved. That's how we're supposed to be treating people. That's how we're supposed to be seeing people. God has appointed us, given us the opportunity to be serving mankind. Because if we really want people to know who Jesus is, we have to love like he loved. If they really want to believe that the age of the Messiah is here, that that time has come, we have to be striving and making efforts to making our world look like that, like it's described in Isaiah 32, a place where refuge and rest and shelter is found. The other thing about this story is, is it talks about how people were just drawn to the disciples. Not even all of them have believed or, or been willing to, to risk their, their status or position or possibly even lives to follow. But they're still hungry and they're still interested and they're still wondering what exactly are these guys saying because from their lives we see something different and we want to know what it's all about. And more and more of them keep being added to the number of believers. Because they see it and they say, we want that kind of life too. The kind of life that makes a difference. The kind of life that can care for people in those deep and profound ways. The miraculous signs and wonders are cool. They help people to take notice. But really, I think the thing about the apostles is that they were they were bold in the face of persecution. They kept preaching the gospel no matter what. But also that they loved and they saw people. They noticed the poor, the oppressed, the downtrodden. And some of them they healed. But all of them they were willing to be with to see, to care for. And I think that's the kind of thing it needs to be looking like in our lives. What are the simple ways that we can be serving? What are the things that we can be doing in our communities to be like Jesus, to love like he loved? How can we be feeding people? How can we help people to find rest and refuge how can we be a place that welcomes them in and sees them where they are and takes them to God? Not everyone's going to understand this message. They're going to want it. Not everyone's going to want to do this message because they don't dare to give up what they have in order to be a part of this kingdom. But that's what we're called to do, to join in, to be a refuge, to be shade for people. And so I challenge you, as you go about your day, your normal things, find ways to be shade for others, to be a place of rest and refuge. And I'm not just talking about like, a little tiny bit of relief shade. Because this prophecy was given to people that were from the desert. That the shade of a great rock out in the desert 
It's not just some kind of luxury. It's necessary for survival. The kind of shade that we need to be in people's life is the life is it's life-saving shade. Be such a refuge for someone that it saves them. That's the kind of shade we should be.